Welcome to Behind the Stigma, a podcast that is related to everything about our mental health. This podcast was created to discuss the many popular beliefs and preconceptions surrounding mental disorders and some of its controversies. We will be exploring the question, how much of mental health is rightfully diagnosed or are we simply creating stigmas? Each episode will uncover topics close to our heart with our clinical psychologist as well as our special guest speakers. I hope you find these discussions as valuable and as insightful as I did when uncovering them. I'm Ciara Minova, a psychology major of neuroscience and mental health at King's College London, and also your host and founder. Let's get started. Today, I have a very special guest and this podcast's very own clinical psychologist, Alina Vasilake. Alina is a clinical psychologist who has over 10 years of experience in the field of psychology and neuroscience. She specializes in emotional instability, mood problems, eating disorders, personality issues, and traumas. She offers psychotherapy, consultations, and treatments for children, adults, and families as well. Her therapies include a wide range of psychological interventions such as trauma-focused therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, family-based therapy, and schema therapy, to mention a few. Alina is actually my own psychologist and has helped me on my journey of eating disorders, which may be covered in a future episode. I am very honored and excited for her to be a huge part of this podcast and share her knowledge, experience, and expertise with us. Alina, welcome, and I am so, so excited to start this with you. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. I think it's an amazing initiative, and I think this is very interesting for a lot of people and will help a lot of people that are listening to us. And to be honest, it's an honor for me to do this with you, with the person that I've worked with in therapy, and really I'm excited and very happy to be here. <laughs> Same. Thank you. Let's start from the beginning and go back to the basics and talk a little bit about mental health. So we hear the term mental health or mental well-being used a lot, but what exactly do we mean by our mental health? Is it the same as happiness or is it simply the absence of a mental illness? Okay, so before I start explaining all of this, I would like to say that I will mention here mostly my opinion and the way I work in therapy and the way I see things. So, of course, maybe a lot of professionals in this field will see this differently. So, we're talking about mental health and what it is and how we define this. It's quite subjective, to be honest. If we think about happiness, the reality is that happiness seems to be the ability to solve problems and challenges in life. So the people that are happy in life are not the people that do not have problems and difficulties, but are the ones that are capable to go through them and to cope with them and to feel satisfied that they are able to do that as such. Yeah. In terms of mental health, I would say it's about how the person feels. So when somebody comes to therapy and they ask for my support or my help or my guidance, in general, they struggle with something. So it's only that struggle that is somehow mental or psychological. So it's not necessarily physiological. We don't have a biological cause for it. So that's enough to call it a mental health issue. So it's very personal. So if mental health is how we deal with our internal or our psychological and emotional well-being, then what do we mean by mental disorder, to put it into simple terms? 
I honestly dislike this word disorder, <laughs> but the way I see it and the way I use it and the way I teach my people to see it is as a lack of order in their life. So again, I mentioned before, they struggle with something, right? So things are not in order in their life, whatever that order is for them, not what the order is for the society or for other people. It's about the way they feel that order in their life. And all of them, if they come to therapy is because something is going on that makes them unhappy or makes them suffer. So again, disorder. Of course, we have all of these names and we have all of these labels that we use, psychiatrists use, medical mm -hmm. professional they use. But I'm talking about the therapy and the way I work with people. For me, disorder simply means in the person's experience, something is not in order, nothing more than that. In textbook definitions, they basically say a mental disorder is a behavior that causes severe impairment or distress on an individual to a point where it basically impacts their everyday life. Uh, and exactly like you said, that's where, you know, therapy comes in to help notice or understand why it happens. But something I find interesting is the word mental disorder itself. I feel like it has quite a strong stigma to it so that if someone has an anxiety disorder, for example, or depressive disorder, then it's with them for the rest of their life. So my question to you is, if you have a mental disorder, does that mean that it's with you there forever? Because a lot of the times I feel when you tell someone you have a mental disorder, it may feel like that label is stuck with them for life. Well, when people come to therapy, and unfortunately this is still happening, they come with this feeling of there's something wrong about me. If I'm being sent to see a psychologist, if I have to come and see a psychologist, I have no other option. And most of the people, they struggle on their own for years before they open the door of a psychologist, unfortunately still. So they all come with this feeling of there's something wrong about me. In my approach, all I do is tell them there's nothing wrong about you. There is something that is not in order yeah. in your life or the way you're experiencing life or the way you're behaving in life. But it does not say anything about you. And definitely there's nothing wrong about you. And in general, these people already, they've received this message of there's something wrong about me, either from society or from parents, from childhood experiences. And you mentioned about is this forever or not forever? The yeah. person will struggle with this all their life. Definitely not. The existence of therapy is because positive changes are always possible and because all of these disorders yeah. <laughs> are uh, reversible. And that's why people and therapy is about change. All it is about therapy is healing and positive changes. Absolutely. I think it's an important message to put out there for people to understand that that label doesn't define who you are. And in fact, like you said, the label itself isn't important, but what's important is to find ways to deal with whatever it is that is causing that dysfunction in your life. And, you know, 90% of the time, there is always a reason why our mental health suffers. So would you say from your experience as a practice psychologist, is it getting better or worse? Are mental disorders becoming less stigmatized? I can say that for sure there's a change. I can say that I, I see it even in people from cultures where this would have been a big taboo and a yeah. big, big no, even a few years ago. And I see daily changes. People more and more are coming to see a psychologist without the worry of, oh my God, what does this mean? Or what will people say? 
people used to hide before. So definitely there's a positive change. Definitely people are opening more and more towards the mental health as being a part of our life that needs to be taken care of, just like any other medical problem. Yeah, and we even see these changes globally in family dynamics, mental health awareness campaigns, implementation in schools and colleges. So I do agree it's moving towards a positive change. So now that we understand the meaning of a disorder, I think it's important we talk a little bit about how people are diagnosed. How do you know when someone is suffering from a mental disorder? And maybe you can talk a little bit about the DSM here, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is the book used by clinicians and practitioners to identify mental disorders. Okay, again, here I'm going to talk about my approach in yes. psychotherapy, which uh, might be very different than what other professionals are doing. Okay, we have the DSM-5 now, and we are supposed to follow that in terms of classifying a specific problem that a person has based on the very specific symptoms. You know, there are lists of symptoms that we have to follow. Now, the only way I use this is as a guideline towards what protocol of intervention I should be using with that person. There are a lot of problems or disorders that don't even have proven protocol of interventions. Mm -hmm. So in this case, we have to go to the closest psychological disorder and apply that protocol of intervention, because obviously we are working with specific interventions that have been proven to give good results. So the way mental disorders are being diagnosed right now is that practitioners usually go to this book, the DSM, for guidance, right? And depending on the behavior and the symptoms of the person, they find certain inventions or medications based on the diagnosis that fits most, meaning disorders is based purely on symptoms rather than etiology. Yes, true. This is mostly the medical and psychiatric approach where yes. they're focusing a lot on symptoms. And those symptoms, when it comes to mental health, are mostly behaviors, although there are some physiological reactions there for example, in panic attacks or anxiety. But yeah, mostly there are symptoms. But again, there's one criteria that is in all of the disorders, which talks a lot about the impact of mm -hmm. those symptoms in the person's life. And for me, that's the most important one. So again, I focus on the person that comes to me and I focus on their suffering and right. what is the impact of those symptoms in their life. And that's, I think, the most important part of these symptoms, if we think about the impact they have in the person's life. Yeah, and that's so important when understanding the individuality of every person. You know, the one size fits all just isn't effective when you have to take into consideration the person's environment, their emotional and mental needs, which is why I think psychological interventions are so important to go beyond those classifications of singularity to identify the actual person and their problem itself. But I thought it was important for our listeners to understand that there is this sort of manual which helps people in terms of classifying symptoms and how certain disorders are actually found. Mm -hmm. And let me mention this. A lot of people come referred by their psychiatrist, mm -hmm. their GP, and they come to us. And they already come with the label in their mind. I have this or that. 
And actually, the first thing I do, I say, we don't labor you. You are not this. You are a person. And I need to hear what you are struggling with. We don't care about that labor. Maybe me as a professional, I have right. to keep it in mind, in the back of my mind, to right. see what protocol of intervention I will follow. Because I know that that gives me the maximum probability of success to help you. But I always tell people, I'm not working here only on your symptoms. I'm not working here just to stop you from having this particular symptom. What I'm working on is you coming one day to tell me I'm good. I'm happier in my life. I feel okay with everything and basically not coming to see me anymore. So what you're trying to say is that the label or diagnosis is helpful for clinicians, but we should take it with a pinch of salt. I think for anyone who's been diagnosed, it's perhaps important to understand that these labels don't define who we are and don't have to be permanent. Now, I want to ask you, if we could categorize mental well-being, would you say it's more of a medical problem or a social problem? Because we do get a lot of disorders which have social influences like family problems or, you know, stresses at work, financial problems, relationship problems, etc., which can trigger these set of symptoms. What are your thoughts on that? Based on my approach, again, I would look more into the explanation of mental health as social, definitely. Because even when you say it's medical, it's a feeling of this is what I have, this is how I am, this is how my body or my brain works, and I cannot change it. So if we start our work with that, from that point, then we stand a very little chance of changes. And what I find in my practice and how I work with people, I always tell them, let's look for the reason. There must be a reason why you're struggling with this. There must be a reason why you got here. So understanding where things are coming from, that etiology is very, very important because more than anything else, people take the message that, okay, this is not me that is wrong or right. it's not me that has the big irreversible problem. There's a cause. There's a reason why I got here. There's a reason why I'm experiencing this. Definitely there's specific disorders that have a a more biological, physiological base. Definitely. I'm not fighting that idea. But what I see, for example, if you would ask me anxiety, why people have anxiety? Well, either it goes back to childhood and messages from their parents over protectiveness or strict parenting and so on, or negative life events. So these are the two main sources of anxiety. And when really we find these answers working with the people, it's a relief for them to understand that, oh, okay, so it means I can change this. It's not me. 100%. And these topics are definitely something that we're going to be talking about in later episodes as well, in terms of our childhood trauma and how it shapes the person that we do become today. Just to wrap up this introduction episode, Elena, what would you say are the three main things that we need to take care of, no matter what the suffering imposed on the person, in order to have a healthier and a more happier life? I think the most important part of my work with my people is to help them be always aware of their emotional needs. So unfortunately, because of life, the way life is, we disconnect a lot from our own emotional needs. We don't know how to listen to that part of us that's desperately telling us that we have emotional needs. So being in connection with that is number one. 
Second is learning and having tools to actually respond to those emotional needs. And third, I think a little bit of attention at keeping things in balance. So what do I mean by balance? I mean, there are four areas in our life that are very, very important. One is I'm taking care of myself. The second one, achievement. So I feel that I'm achieving things in life. Another area is connection with others. We all need to connect with others is in our basic needs. And the fourth one, enjoyment, things that I do in life on a daily basis, just for the pure purpose of enjoyment. So when we keep these four areas in balance in our life, in general, we feel okay. Alina, thank you so much. That was wonderful. And I really enjoyed recording this podcast with you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure being here and a pleasure talking to all of you. So next episode, we'll uncover more about the inner child, validation, acceptance and compassion towards the self. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening. Mm -hmm.